this is big lie. The Bosch industry always uses um, the weakest spot of the of humans in order to bring in their deadly ideology. In this case, they say, well, you care for children, but you also have to care for the grown up, for the, for the mother. If you really care for the mother, you don't want her to die. And they act as if this would be a common problem that the people die. It's not. In Malta, we have black and white again. Zero mortality for more than a decade already, just because of normal healthcare. Alexander Chuguel. He is the one who rocketed to international fame when he confronted the pagan worship and idolatry permitted by Pope Francis in the Vatican. He's widely known as the Pachamama destroyer. He's been praised by cardinals for his zeal. Alexander stood for true orthodoxy, hurling the Pachamama idols into the Tiber River. Now, in this special edition of the John Henry Weston Show, LifeSite News' Austrian correspondent Andreas Welzer speaks firsthand with Alexander Chugowell, getting his personal experience of what we need to do to save the West from idolatry, pagan worship, and the many ideologies, pro-abortion and otherwise, pushed by globalists. You, our faithful supporters and viewers, stand in the breach. Stay tuned. You're not going to miss this one. I'm John Henry Weston. And this is The John Henry Weston Show. I'm here with Alexander Chugwell. Um, many know you for throwing the Pachamama statues into the Tiber back in 2019, but uh, that's not what you usually do on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, you're a pro-life activist and you have been for, for many years and a leader in the pro-life movement. And right now there's a big fight in Austria that maybe many people haven't heard of in the state of Tyrol. Um, there's an abortion law that could be introduced that could basically introduce state-funded abortion and um, what is going on there. And you're, as far as I know, leading a campaign right now to prevent this law or to, to fight this law. And can you talk a bit about that and what exactly is going on here? Yes. So what we see in Tyrol is a very severe attack on the right to life. Um, especially as um, everything, we, uh, everything we will see now maybe being introduced in Tyrol will definitely be introduced on a not so in a not so far future in the rest of Austria as well. So if we talk about Tyrol, please keep in mind that it's always uh, about the whole country and therefore always about all of Europe because you know how it works. Um, they try to implement certain pro-abortion rules in different parts of Europe and then start the legal process by saying, well, but in this uh, in this state of uh, in this member state of the European Union, it's legal. Why it's not in my member state, etc. Mm -hmm. Good. So what they do in Tyrol is there is a government um, between the so-called conservative party ÖVP, the Österreichische Volkspartei, and the socialist party SPÖ. And in this coalition program, in the they 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 issued, um, they say that one of their goals uh, is to make sure that um, every woman always has the right to decide whether she wants an abortion or not. That's one of the main sentences of the, of the program. And um, in addition to this, they say that in order to ensure this, they either have to um, support and to help um, and private abortionists um, uh, by, uh, so that they can grow and that maybe more private abortionists uh, um, come to their role and, and erect abortion clinics there. Or they have to do this via a public um, hospital. So that's one of the two ideas they had. Maybe just to give you a status quo, in Tyrol right now, we talk about 700 to 1,000 abortions every year. 
And we talk about one doctor performing them. There's one doctor uh, named Dr. Wolf, and he, is, uh, he performs them. So the situation is, as you see, not as easy for the abortionists as there are hardly any doctors who want to perform abortions, uh, obviously, because the more, the better actually your science, your science gets, the closer you see that this is life from the very conception up until the natural end. So uh, the end in, in general. So it's, it's, it's very difficult for them to find new abortionists. So the situation is that they now ask in public one part of the uh, one one member of the coalition parties from the socialist party asked now publicly to introduce a new law saying that every abortion must be funded by um, the public insurance system. Uh, what we call Abtreibung auf Krankenschein is the, is the German term for this. It means abortion must be paid by the insurance, which Therefore, means everyone pays for abortion because, as you know, in the United States it's a little bit different. But in Austria, we have um, um, we cannot opt out of our insurance. We have to pay the insurance. So that's one of the situation, uh, one of the one of the one of the things. And obviously, it's a little bit difficult to introduce such a law because you cannot say, okay, now everyone has to pay for a certain um, a certain decision of of certain people, even though our law officially considers abortion still a crime. So it's very difficult, even though, I don't know, you know the legal, uh, the legal status in Austria, it's officially a crime, but you're not punished for the crime if you follow certain rules. And the rules are unfortunately very, very open and uh, are getting more and more open every year. Good. So that's the situation. So what lies behind this idea of the socialists is obviously that they want to push the agenda they have in the um, coalition program. And the agenda in the coalition program is not this, but to introduce abortion, um, to make Sure, abortion is available always in every part of the world. So that's the whole fight. What are we doing? Um, I'm, I'm not the main initiator behind the campaign, but we are supporting a campaign done by a wonderful pro-life organization, Jugend für das Leben, um, founded already decades ago. It's the oldest, uh, I think, one of the oldest pro-life organizations in Austria. I'm also a member of, of, of them. And the Jugend für das Leben started a campaign uh, where they organized a demonstration on the 14th of January, mm -hmm. so the weekend after Epiphany. Um, um, in order to um, state very clearly that Tyrol cannot, the Tyrolians especially, cannot allow this to happen. So we decided to support them in, in uh, as we always do. So as you know, I'm, I'm, I was I was um, working with March for Life. So uh, obviously, March for Life also helps uh, helps helps uh, helps them and is part of the organization committee. But also, I'm part of the of the of the help in in a way that I try to get as many Catholics as possible to see what's going on there and to also understand that if they do not fight abortion, they will not win any other fight. If you do not defend the unborn life, you should not go out and pretend that you can win any other political fight. It's impossible. If you don't defend the most innocent unborn, you cannot pretend that you defend anyone else. It's just impossible. So that's my situation right now. We are um, um, rallying. Uh, as much as we can in order to get as many people as possible on the 14th of January on the streets of Innsbruck to demonstrate against this terrible law. Okay, thank you. Um, why is Tyrol... I think it's it's especially important to you and also to the to Austria in general. It's 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 called the Holy Land of Tyrol sometimes um, with, because it's like the, the Catholic lung of Austria. It used to be for a long time. Um, why is it so important to you and and so shocking that they are now trying to to introduce this terrible law? Well, um, there is quite some family importance to me because my family origins from Tyrol, so so that's where my roots are. 
uh, even though I was uh, I was born and raised in Vienna. Uh, my family origins in Tyrol, and I have, I have lots of connections there. Went there with my family every summer and, and things like this. So yes, Tyrol is um, important for me. The Holy Land Tyrol, the, the Holy Land of Tyrol, the reason why we call it this is that in the past we did not only see amazing, amazing uh, high numbers of priestly vocations and, and non-vocations and, and friars, etc. We had one of the highest density of, 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 of priesthood in, in all of Europe was in Tyrol, which is quite amazing. And um, from old times, from ancient times, on Tyrol was always Catholic. So in Tyrol, we at once, obviously during the Protestant Revolution, there was a very, very short Protestant phase, but it never, it never went through like it did in many other parts of society. And the interesting aspect about this is that not only in Tyrol, if you go, Tyrol is a, a you know, Tyrol is a mountain country, so with tons of mountains there, very high mountains, very beautiful mountains. And in Tyrol, if you go in the main valleys of Tyrol, you can really climb any hilltop you find and you will find 20 to 30 to 40 churches uh, and chapels everywhere. It's, it's one, of the, uh, one of the countries where you cannot really move more than 100 meters without discovering a new church or a new uh, cross or something. And it's not strange. It's part of the, of the tradition and the blood of the Tyrolians to be Catholic. Why do we call them not only the, why is the holy uh, country of Tyrol, the holy land of Tyrol? And there's many reasons for this, but one of the reasons is that when the Freemasons and the revolutionaries um, um, from the French Revolution brought forward and pushed their revolutionary agenda, the Tyrolians resisted quite a lot. And when then Napoleon came in, made an alliance with the Bavarians and through the Bavarians tried to force Catholicism out of the Tyrolians and, by the way, tried to introduce the first vaccine mandate in history in Tyrol. Very interesting. He wanted to force vaccinate the Tyrolians and was a very, very brave father of the Capucin uh, father um, who gave really brilliant, brilliant homilies against it, where he said, if you accept the forced vaccination, you actually accept Protestantism and you actually reject the Catholic uh, understanding of, 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 of also health and life. It's very interesting that they all fought this battle 200 years ago already. And the hero of this Tyrolean battle was um, a farmer, a farmer named Andreas Hofer. Andreas Hofer, every Austrian knows him, obviously, um, used to know him. Let's put it this way. Maybe, unfortunately, the young generation um, doesn't learn about him. But Andreas Hofer was a very pious man. He prayed the rosary every day. He went to confession very regularly. He attended mass as often as he could. He tried to go there every day if possible. And he then started to form a resistance against the Bavarian slash French troops. It was most Bavarian there. And this resistance was extremely successful. And why was this resistance so successful? So at the end of the day, they lost the, 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 the war because he was betrayed by someone who was bribed for money and was then kicked out of the role and was dying completely alone um, outside of the role. Poor man, Mr. Raffer is his name. Um, he was called, by the way, the, the Judas of Tyrol is the, the one who betrayed Andreas Hofer. So the interesting thing about him was when he, uh, when he was betrayed and he was killed, he was executed. Even then, the Tyrolians did not lose the fight here. They did not lose it in their, in their minds. They did not lose it in their family, etc. They stayed Tyrolean. They stayed Catholic, especially through this whole time of persecution. And how did he do it? By introducing... Um, a very, very, it was already there, but he was one of the main proponents of it, introducing a very good understanding of the sacred heart of Jesus. So like we saw in the Vendée, the, the resistance in the Vendée against the French Revolution and against, uh, against everything coming from the French Revolution, 
we see exactly the same thing happening in, in Austria, in Tyrol. That's the reason why we call it the Holy Land of Tyrol, why, because we see that it was the Sacred Heart of Jesus leading the people into battle in a very, very good way, not brutal at all, very strong and very committed, and they won the biggest fight of all. They did not reject their religion, they did not lose their faith, and they stayed faithful up until the end. Tyrol was, up to the Second Vatican Council, the part of Austria we normally got the most priestly vocations from. In every family, I do not know any Catholic Tyrolean family who do not actively know that one of their relatives was a priest. It's more or less impo impossible to find such a thing in Tyrol. Yeah. yeah, thank you. It's amazing. It's even more uh, sad that this is happening now in Tyrol. And another thing that's really sad and disappointing that one of the parties you mentioned, the, the, ÖVP, the, the ÖVP, the Austrian People's Party, yeah. they are part of the, this government coalition that is trying to introduce this law now. And they're known as the conservative party in yes. Austria. And they used to be actually very Catholic 50, 60 years ago still. Yeah. And now we've seen that they've really betrayed a lot of the conservative values and Christian values. And they have, especially on these life and family issues. And as we see here, um, what, what happened here? Like, what is your view here? Because this is something that's happening or that, that has happened across Europe. We have that in Germany, it's the same situation with the CDU, with the Christian Democrats in Germany, and with the Tories in Britain. It's also kind of the same that these so-called conservative parties have really, you know, lost touch with Christian values, especially when it comes to family values, traditional family values and life values and so on. Um, what is your view on that? And why is, why is that happening? Why is, what's, what's up with these conservative parties in, in Western Europe? Yeah. So there are two things I want to add in order to understand a little bit the history of those parties. The all those parties, the CDU in, in, in Germany as well, which means the Christian Democratic Union and also the uh, CSU, so the, the, the counterpart in Bavaria, the Christian um, Social Union, um, both as the ÖVP has, have as their traditional color black. And the reason why they have black is because the black refers to the black cassock of the priests. So this was not not only a Christian party, it was, def it was really rooted in Catholicism. It's very interesting to see. And also, if you now look back in history and look at the main heroes of the times after the Second World War, after Hitler, all of them came from these backgrounds where Catholics, for example, in Germany was Konrad Adenauer, very, very faithful Catholic who tried to go to Mass every day, who prayed the rosary in his office and so on. He was famous for this. In Austria, we had people like Leopold Fiegel, etc., who led the rosary processions, you know, the rosary reparation crusades together with um, um, a servant of God, Pater Petrus Pavlicek. So we had all those things, um, um, a very big heritage of Catholic tradition, Catholic fight. And then a few things happened. First of all, when the corruption inside the structures of the church happened, it also happened there. We cannot separate this. So when we see that a revolutionary process, a revolutionary process suddenly happens inside traditional structures like inside the parish and diocese structure, inside different um, foundations and different, you know, old uh, ancient organizations, orders, etc. The same thing obviously happens also for them who work together with them. So unfortunately, the loss of faith in the clergy um, can be wonderfully seen here. But, um, um, you can just look at the loss of faith at these parties. So the main reason why those so-called conservative parties are not conservative anymore are two, uh, and are, are the, actually one of our biggest problems are two. First of all, they still call themselves conservative and they still officially are Christian. So the first, if you look at the party's program of the ÖVP, the 
first, very first sentence of the party program is that they are a Christian party, that the Christian principles are their principles, and they betray their Christian principles every day. In this coalition program, you see it black and white. It says that it says um, there is no doubt. It says that abortion must always be the pure right of the woman. It, that's it. It says, it says without doubt that that's the, what they say. So they say, contrary to their own party's program, obviously, that abortion is now considered a right of, uh, of the women. Obviously, we know why this is. The big, yeah, abortion, they call abortion human right more or less already, and, and that's, that's what they want to press. So that's, that's one thing. The biggest problem with those parties is that they betray us. It's, it's in every war. If you have, um, let's say, let's talk about medieval wars. It's a little bit easier to talk about them. You have a city, you have a wall, and then you have some ground around the city wall, and then outside somewhere the enemy, and the enemy comes closer and closer and closer. The enemy is not your biggest problem. It is obviously a big problem, but the enemy shows your own problems. That's the main thing. So if the enemy comes and you know, I did a very good preparation with my wall. The people inside the, the city are uh, living happily together, have a have a good fundament of faith, a good fundament of, of trust where they can where they can work with each other. And there are good structures around the city which help us getting food inside the city, even if there is the enemy outside through, I don't know, hidden tunnels, whatever. Then you would never have a problem. You can win even, even against very big enemies. The problem is that the people who betray you most are the people within your own uh, uh, rows, more or less. The people who are in your army. And the main problem with the ÖVP is that they still, in every election campaign, send out one or two or three or four politicians which play the Catholic Christian card in order to attract those voters. And this needs to stop. It needs to stop. And this is really black and white. We see it now. There's no doubt about it. We don't have, there's no, it's not a conspiracy theory. You can just, just read the coalition program. That's actually it. Just a quick note before we return. If you would like to stay up to date on LifeSite's coverage of the latest life, family, and culture news, subscribe to one of our many newsletters by going to lifesitenews.com slash subscribe. And if you'd like to help us bring our truth-telling coverage to millions around the world, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation at give.lifesitenews.com. And now back to the video. It's really, like you said, it's a sort of an attack from within, uh, within people who proclaim to be Christians or claim to be Christians. And yeah, so, but other than that, there's other pro-life fights going on in Europe, obviously yes. all the time. Um, we've just seen uh, one huge fight and we've seen a huge protest in Malta because um, Malta, it's a small country, but they had one of the biggest pro-life protests Ever probably, and especially if you compare it to to the size of the country with twenty thousand people, and they protested against a law that could, um, you know, allow abortion for the first time. Because in Malta, it's until now it has been outlawed completely, but now they could introduce, you know, abortion for health reasons, which critics say could mean everything. I mean, it could mean mental health. It could mean, you know, it could basically mean abortion until birth if yeah. you know if you find the right health reasons for, to do it, and. Um, the president of Malta, a, a brave man, I think, uh, has said that he is willing to resign if he would. So if he would have to sign this law, he said he'd, he'd rather resign than, than sign this law, basically. Yeah. And um, there are other fights, like there are legal cases all the time um, at the European Courts for Human Rights against the Polish pro-life laws, yes. because as most people will probably know, Poland also has very strong pro-life laws, one of the strongest in Europe. And in Germany, 
It's very bad because Germany has a very pro-abortion, anti-family um, you know, government right now. And they are trying to, well, they already abolished the so-called advertising ban on, on abortion. Yes. And now um, they plan to, or they've said it several times that they want to decriminalize abortion completely. Yes. And um, what do you, these are some examples of the fights going on. And what, what do you, what are the most important fights in Europe, in your opinion? And um, yeah, how do you see this, maybe the biggest dangers and chances that you have in, in Europe right now in, in the pro-life movement? Let me talk about the three examples you, you brought up, because I think they're all very good, good examples. I have in front of me the press release about the, about the thing going on in Malta. The thing, I, uh, it's a wrong word for it, was one of the biggest and best protests I've ever seen in the whole pro-life movement. It's really amazing, very well organized, etc. And it's so interesting because 20,000 20, people, more than 20,000 people going on the streets in Malta is really 4 or 5% of the, of the population, which is quite something, because just imagine... You have 5% of the population of any country on the streets. This is, we, we would consider this a very, very serious protest. So that's one thing. The main argument they use in Malta in order to introduce abortion as a health issue, as you already said, is that they say, well, we, ha we need to reduce maternal mortality. Mm -hmm. The maternal mortality in Malta is zero for more than 10 years already, just by taking care of the women in a normal medical way. This is big lie. The abortion industry always uses um, the weakest spot of, the, of humans in order to bring in their deadly ideology. In this case, they say, well, you care for children, but you also have to care for the grown-up, for the, for the mother. If you really care for the mother, you don't want her to die. And they act as if this would be a common problem, that the people die. It's not. In Malta, we have it black and white again. Zero mortality for more than a decade already. Just because of normal healthcare. So yeah, that is, that's, that's definitely not a reason. But Poland, um, I don't want to engage too much here because there are tons of fights going on. But the interesting aspect about Poland is that the Polish society rejects abortion mainly. So if you go to Poland, I, I guess you know lots of Polish people. The average Polish guy is Catholic. And obviously, after the example of, of, of John Paul II, especially in the resistance times in communism, the Polish people really understood that if they reject Catholicism, They reject the last thing, keeping them um, actually up, uh, keeping also the spirits up against communism. So they understood Catholic, Catholic faith is the cure for communism. That's what they understood. And up until today, you see that this does shape the mentality of the Polish people quite a, quite a lot. So that they were ready to imp implement new anti-abortion laws. And that's the amazing thing about it. They do not defend old laws. They implement the new ones. That's really amazing. And obviously got attacked heavily by the, by the EU um, structures, especially by Ursula von der Leyen right now, who shames her in every document they put out, and they want to uh, and uh, uh, wants to um, um, take money away from them and uh, ask them to pay fines and things like this, and and says that they are not allowed to do this. It's against EU constitution, whatever this uh, is. The president of the EU Commission, Ursula von der Leyen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, the president of the EU Commission, obviously Ursula von der Leyen. So that's about Poland. Quite interesting. It's a big fight, and I have to say that I that I um, po Poland is a very interesting country. And many people don't understand that there are 40 million people living there. So it's huge. It's really big. So Germany has uh, double uh, the numbers, but Poland is really big. Austria only has 9 million inhabitants. So this really shows you a little bit of scale. About Germany, well, in Germany we have the same situation as in Austria. So abortion is officially considered illegal, but it's now being open through exceptions, exemptions all the time. So first, uh, abortion in Germany was actually a very good law. They said... 
that in a, abortion is not only illegal, but also if it's now opened, it's not even there because, because it is illegal. You're not allowed to make any advertisement for it. And you see the difference, unfortunately. Now they are allowed to do it. And now this whole culture of life comes into the public sphere officially. That's different. Before that, it had to, it had to come via, you know, sideways and they had, to, uh, they had to go around a little bit and now it's official. About Germany, what can I say? The pro-life movement in Germany is growing. So we, we had this big March for Life in Berlin always. And now there's a second March for Life, which came up in Munich as well. One has to know, obviously, that Berlin and Munich are quite far away from each other. So it's, I think it's quite natural that there are now two, two places where this happened. And I think we will see this uh, popping up in many other parts of the country. And now many Germans step by step understand that they need to fight for this way more than they used to. Because one has to really understand that the German mind does not um, does not encourage protesting on the street uh, a lot. They, they are not French people and they are not Italians. And so they are all used to go to the streets. Germans do not. So Germany always takes ages. But I want to add, because many people always lose hope in Germany, that inside Germany, we have tons of really highly intelligent, very professional people who fight for the life and uh, against the killing of unborn children in the mother's womb, in the mother's womb, in their mother's womb, and it's amazing to see how much support you get, actually get from the pro-life circles in Germany. They are way way bigger than, than you think. It's just that unfortunately, with a leftist government, you cannot expect anything happening right now on the on the on government level. It's impossible. So one of the biggest things I, I um, had the, the chance that um, one of the people working for us did a little research on right now the state of the of the argumentation. I want to bring a few arguments yeah. to just show you what the leftists try to implement right now and how they argue. They say that there is a very bad that there is that there are not enough abortion places available, safe abortion places, and therefore abortions are unfortunately unsafe and deadly. Isn't it the biggest joke of history? It's unfortunately deadly to kill a child. Well, yeah, I could have told you that before. Um, um, it's deadly. So it's interesting that they argue like this. Um, I have a few things to say to this, but, but let's just go through the argumentation first. Then they say, unfortunately, it costs way too much. I can, can give you a number. In Austria, for example, an abortion costs between 700 and 1,000 euros. That's more or less the rough estimate. I give you another number. If you have, uh, if you give birth to a child and 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 have all those payments, this costs you more. So it's interesting to see. So the killing of the child is obviously way cheaper than keeping the child, and that's obviously a problem. So that's the reason why I think, by the way, that the Hungarian policy of 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 helping the families by um, um, lifting taxes of them is a very very good one because that makes families. Uh, way more competent and way more also secure and safe to, to go on and continue caring for the children and also also having babies, which is such an important matter nowadays. Then they say that there are no, um, um, that, that the whole contraceptives are not for free and that they have to pay for them. And that's the reason why many people do not afford them. And that's the reason why many people get pregnant without wanting it. One of the biggest misconceptions, you cannot get pregnant without wanting it, except for rape, because you want to sleep with someone. That's it. If you're not rape is a different thing in this in this regards, but everything else there is not such a thing as unwanted pregnancy except rape. It's 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 actually not even possible, because as you know, yeah. so so the thing is that yeah you might not consider this outcome of your sexual intercourse, but if you understand anything about biology, then you know that this is a possible outcome of your sexual intercourse. So there is not a, not such a thing as real unwanted pregnancies. Then they say it's important um, for the 
for the how do you say the fulfillment the self-fulfillment of, of the women of women so that they have the possibility only to be a real woman if they have the possibility to have the control of their own body but the bad catholic church wants to destroy them wants to take away the decisions over their own body well let's talk about this argument for a second it's not per se wrong from a modernist point of view to look at it like this if you always heard that the catholic church says follow the command commandments and the modern society tells you we do not have any commandments but is it really true I think not. If you look at the modern society, they give you way more rules to follow, way more rules. You're not allowed to speak freely about anything. You're not allowed to, you're not allowed to do what with your money, what you want to do with your money, because your money is taken away by the state. As you know, Austria taxes up to 50% plus fees and so on. So you, some people pay 70% of what they earn back to governmental structures completely insane etc they tell you that you are free to do whatever you want but whatever you want has to be against christian values it's also interesting because as soon as you try to fight for christian values i give you an example let's say i want to create a new catholic school following the traditional a traditional catholic uh, idea it's more or less impo impossible in central europe in germany it's totally impossible more or less i know people who did this and they most of them did not succeed even though they had a wonderful team very good concept very good curricula good good also very good very good financing and that did not work because government does not want those schools to work so are we really free in the society are we really free in a society where they force vaccines into our arms where they force us to wear masks where they force us to to be separated from our own family because of such nonsense and now we all clap to the Chinese obviously because they fight against the zero tyranny but here the same thing happened here and nobody clapped when we did all this whole resistance yeah. again so are we really we know we are not obviously so is the church really the is the church really in a situation where they also suppress people no they don't but the church does something very important it tells the truth and if you want to know the truth that there are certain decisions in your life and certain things you have to reject and certain things you have to do it's your free choice to do so if you want to end up in heaven or not, it's your free choice. But the church obviously says that the state, a good Christian state, has to create some rules which, uh, which prohibit certain things which are definitely bad for society as a whole. And that's obviously abortion, because what could be more bad for society as a whole is the killing of the next generation of this society. I think it's very obvious. So, nonsense, nonsense argument. Then what they say is because abortion is still considered a crime, it stigmatizes women who want to go, uh, get an abortion. Uh, well, to be very honest, yes, obviously it does. Because if it's crime, then you normally talk about the people who commit the crime, as you, you refer to them as criminals. Well, it's now you can discuss how much, uh, uh, who is the bigger criminal and the different situation is different. You know, if a woman is obviously forced to do abortion, she's not a criminal, then the abortionist and the one who forces, uh, forces her are the, are the criminals. Obviously, if a woman says, I want to kill my own child, this would be considered criminal. Just imagine the child is outside of her body already born. We would all consider her a terrible criminal. She would be in every newspaper. Women in cold blood killing her own child. That would be a huge news. So, yes, it does stigmatize them. But what they say is, well, it's stigmatized in a moment of need. And that's not the, bad, the worst argument. It is a good argument because obviously, yes, modern society doesn't help women the way it should. Look at Hungary. Well, Hungary is really a good example here because Hungary, unfortunately, did not introduce lots of pro-life pro, uh, pro laws. One little one now, recently, thank God. But they introduced lots of pro-family laws. And look, and the abortion numbers went down 50%. So yeah, of course, if you want to support families and you do support families, obviously, you create a better situation for the women. Yeah, I think that's, that's quite logical. And then obviously, they say, yeah, well, uh, in the cause of rape, 
which is one of the most ugly arguments you can find from any any pro-abortionist. I never found any pro-abortionist to say it. I'm always pro-life except for rape. Mm. I never found any pro-abortion. I found a few weak pro-lifers who said this, but I never found a pro-abortionist. Why is this an argument that is used by many people? Because rape is a very, very ugly thing. Just imagine, against the will of maybe a teenage girl. And just imagine the most terrible situation. It's an underage girl raped by whoever. And then the child is there and so on. And and, and, and this guy had a very strange face. And she now has dreams about the child looking exactly like like the father. That's more or less the situation they build. This happens in real numbers. One, two, three, five, maybe ten times in Austria, for example, a year. Are we as a society not able to take care of 10, maybe 20 children a year who are in need? And maybe if the, if the woman really says, we can, I, can, I cannot have the child afterwards because it's just not possible. I think we are. I think we are. Uh, in Austria, there is a rough estimation. It's a little bit difficult to get the real numbers on this. That on every child being born and put out for a, a adoption, there are 10, um, uh, 10 um, um, couples who want to adopt a child. So I think that this is really not a problem. And I believe that a Christian society would always and will always find an answer, as we did in the last thousands of years. We always had an answer for this. And we still have. And then they say that the, the consultants, that they have to go uh, have consultants, is, uh, consultancy is bad um, because it's difficult. They have to decide and then they have to go to the doctor to ask them for help. Well, obviously, that's a nonsense argument because you have to have this in many other aspects as well. You can, for example, not do certain operations in hospital without being first signing a paper that you actually know what's going to happen. So that's, that's just invalid in my eyes. And obviously, they now talk about Roe v. Wade and say, well, because of Roe v. Wade, we now have to put this uh, whole uh, right of abortion into constitutional rank in order to secure it from things like Roe v. Wade. Obviously, totally ignoring that the United States have a different law system than we have, and we it's not the same. So we cannot just act as if this would happen in the same way. It does not. And second of all, if you would um, change something considered a crime into suddenly a constitutional law, and if this would work, I ask you just as, a, as, a, as someone who views this interview right now, what is this? Is the constitution a constitution of which, which um, of which system is this a constitution if not of a criminal system then? It's very easy. If you say a crime is suddenly a constitutional law, then the constitution becomes criminal. Very easy. And then actually the question is, does it work? No, it does not. Because if it's constitutional to kill little children, I don't want to be part of any government who has this as a constitution. I think this is, this is very, very, very clear to understand. Well, that's the situation. So I think all the arguments they bring up, and that's the main discussion right now, as in every other country, is very easy to answer. It's very, very easy to answer. So let's give them the answers and let's show them that this is wrong and fight for the pro-life cause. It, you can never lose. Every child saved because of uh, the fight for the, for the right for those children to live is what we are really fighting for. We want those laws to be abolished, but what we really want, first and foremost, is that the sin of killing an unborn child is not it's not being committed, and the child can live in the way God wanted it wants it to live. That's it. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much, Alexander. Um, thank you for what you do, and uh, thank you for sitting down with me for this interview. Thank you. Thank you for the interview. Hi, everyone. This is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this video. And to see more like this, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. So check out our links in the description to read more, sign up for our newsletter, and connect with us on social media so that you can stay up to date with all of the latest life, family, and culture news. Thanks for watching, and may God bless you.